Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So a friend of mine sends me a tweet, which is, well, a great start for a joke, I guess. You could just do that with anything. And it's a tweet uh, from a guy by the name of Charlie uh, Bilello. B-I-L-E-L-L-O. I'm not familiar uh, with, with him, but that's okay. The 25 biggest U.S. banks gained $120 billion in deposits in the days after Silicon Valley Bank collapsed. $108 billion over the same period. It was the largest weekly decline in smaller banks' deposits in dollar terms on record. Funny, we said this was going to happen. As a matter of fact, the Wall Street Journal was writing about it today, discussing that big banks are getting more and more depositors and small banks are losing out because the federal government, our federal government, stated very clearly, we support big banks. We say, screw you. Yeah, 3-3 three, three, got Tony. 8 3 8669 That's the number. That's how you get to be a part of the show, be a part of what we're doing. Now, the Wall Street Journal has some other issues because a Wall Street Journal reporter has been arrested in Russia. Evan Gershkovic, detained by Russia and makes the claim that he is guilty of espionage. Of course this is made up. Every part of it is made up. This is Brittany Griner 2.0. They needed somebody else to negotiate with. This is who Vladimir Putin is. No real test for Joe Biden, because Joe Biden has to understand, the Democratic Party has to understand, that Americans being kidnapped is because Russia doesn't fear America at all. Now, Russia's kidnapping Americans because they need more leverage regarding the United States supporting things like Ukraine. Doesn't mean you don't support Ukraine. It means what does Vladimir Putin think he's doing going about for this, and the response needs to be severe. If you tell me, well, you've got negotiations and you've got diplomacy, I like both those things. Vladimir Putin believes that he can just go about arresting Americans. Now you say to me, Tony, what doing in Russia? Well, for the Wall Street Journal, I would argue reporting. That's what he's doing. Well, I knew the risks. Sure, there are absolutely, positively risks, but a charge of espionage is only for the headline, and we all know what the story is. So we know. I, the, Kylan's running the board today, letting me know that if I'm if I'm having a little technical issue, they're trying to figure it out. I'm I'm out and about. I'm down in Florida uh, today, and that could be the cause of it. I I will get it fixed. I swear. Uh, that I will. But when you have this situation, when you have this moment, you realize you are clear as can be that this that's what's causing this. 
Joe Biden's weakness is the reason here. No more and no less. Don't deny it. Just so we're clear. Just so we're clear, Joe Biden and Janet Yellen are the reason, they're the reason that small banks are going to suffer. Silicon Valley Bank did not need to be bailed out. They should have suffered for their mismanagement, for their malfeasance. They should have suffered. They're the ones who made the mistake. They're the ones who caused the issues. They are the ones who put their depositors at risk. I don't want to bail them out. And yes, we we can call it a bailout. You're not the one who wants to bail them out. And now, as we're seeing, you have got going into big banks. And that means small banks are losing it. Small banks are losing to big banks. Their customers are about to feel it. This is the Wall Street Journal. This is all Joe Biden's fault. This is uh, um, Janet Yellen's fault. This is what happens when people like Mark Cuban are screaming, well, we need a bailout. We need to protect these people. No, Mark. If you had $100 million, thank you very much. Have a nice day. That's the end of the ball game. We're not here to bail you out. But when Janet Yellen says, we're only going to protect banks, remember Joe Biden said, but we're only going to protect the banks that if they fail, they could have a systemic risk. Well, that can mean anything to anyone at any time. And what it has said to smaller banks is, you're not good enough. And what it said to big banks is, you can leverage that. And that's exactly what's going on. I, I will tell you, I have not run it to my bank to pull out all my money. Um, I am at what other things I can do to help small banks in, in, in where I live, in my central Indiana area. What the hell is this? But I'd be, I think I'm fighting a losing battle. I'm one guy who can make a nice deposit, nothing fancy, just nice. All of a sudden, tens around like it's a million dollar bill and angels are getting their wings. This is what we're doing? This is crazy town. But if you want some of these small banks to survive, give the loans that you're interested in, you're going to need it. Need to do it. Because otherwise, people will say, well, my money's safer over here. It's my life savings. It's, it's, it's the money grandma left us to start that farm. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they're not starting a farm. But it was a nice story. And you're going to tell the banker whatever you need to. So they go, I understand. And then you're going to put your money uh, over in the next place. And then you're never even going to look at a farm. You won't even eat Pepperidge Farm cookies, which is a mistake because Milano's are perfect. The Mint Milano, can I get a hand? A little something. A little, no? Yes? No? Yes? Maybe? Right now, I'd be like, excuse me, I have to eat this Mint Milano. Now, it's not as perfect of a food as the Egg McMuffin. That's a perfect food. 
Uh, but I've, I've never once said, Mitt Milano, huh, I'm full. I've always said, thank you. Thank you very much. We're in it. We're watching it happen. People who think bailouts are good. It's never good and it's never a rescue. There's always a bit of bad news on the other side. Because nothing is without consequence. Nothing is without consequence. And we should be clear, we're all dealing with an economy that's just terrible. Don't, do not kid yourself. Do not lie to yourself. Don't let others lie to you. You know, we saw jobs numbers come in, and they were a little bit uh, a better. All right, all right, 198, just a, just a little bit higher than they expected. Just a little bit higher. The market's been reacting by being in mostly positive territory all day. I don't know if it's going to remain. I have no clue. I do know that Disney has started their layoffs. Just to, as, the, as the CEO of Disney saying, uh, we're going to engage some new structures because the structures JPEG put in were sizzling hot garbage. We are going to engage in some cost-cutting measures. And that includes all over the companies. And ESPN. Now, what do we expect to see in the ESPN side? I don't know. On the ABC side, they've started by laying off 50. 50 people. And that seems like it's just the beginning. These aren't the people that you see on TV. These are the people who are behind the scenes. We're talking about uh, senior VPs, VP of talent, another VP of talent. They're they're going to. They're all utilizing the same line. Throughout the company, teams are being impacted by the downsizing that was announced several weeks ago including our own ABC News family. If you're, don't tell me I'm part of a family. You can't fire family members. Uh, you, you, sometimes they get disowned, but you can't fire them. They're still there. While these, this, uh, this one letter from ABC, they are a necessary step to ensure we're on solid footing for the years ahead as we chart a sustainable, growth-oriented path forward forward for the entire organization. They've always got the buzzwords, man. They've always got the buzzwords. They've always got the way to try and spin it and somehow think it's all good. It's not all good. It's not all good. Now, I will tell you that it's going to be hard to lose sleep at ABC who don't have their job anymore. And maybe that's rude. Maybe that's just rude. I don't know. I don't know. But it's it's high-end jobs, high-dollar jobs. These people are going to have uh, nice, comfortable landings and be fine. Where they're going to have a job again, that I don't know. They're going to have uh, some career challenges ahead of them. You know, some people, if, if I got laid off, they'd be like, yeah, sir. Would it be fine? So maybe these people are in the same boat. 
but nobody uh, nobody says you're guaranteed a gig. But the layoffs are the story here. Everybody's preparing for what's coming. That's the reality. So will the market stay up today? I, I actually really doubt it. I don't think, um, you know, they, they've tried to have a couple of good rallies, but the reality is the reality. Doesn't it's not going to change any programming at all on the ESPN side? It might change some programming, but don't know who that's going to be yet. I've got some hopes. Can you fire Keith Olbermann again? Because if you can, do that. This is Tony Katz today. We should be clear that this monster of a banking issue is indeed a monster. And what we're starting to see more and more of is that whether it's Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, or it's it's anti-capitalists like Elizabeth Warren, the senator from Massachusetts. I said anti-capitalist. I meant it. What? Is someone going to argue this with me? I'm, feel free. Go right ahead. She is what she is. She hates business. She hates profit. She hates the idea that you're able to control what it is that is yours. She hates the idea that you're able to get a return on your investment. Everything you do is evil, and somehow she thinks she's good and decent. Despicable. I don't think there's anybody out there who best personifies uh, the opposite of what it is to be able to go out and thrive and build than Elizabeth Warren in her policies and in what it is that she pushes and promotes. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything, TonyKatz.Locals.com. TonyKatz.Locals.com. I spoke with Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis about this, this monster because the, the Silicon Valley Bank failure is only now part of the story. It's what's happened afterward. It's the failure of Silvergate, which was investing, or I should say, loaning and taking in things regarding crypto. Uh, Signature Bank, again, the same deal, and that's not being anti-crypto. It's about whether or not you've got smart policies for your bank. And it's the bailouts of these banks, and yes, I'm using the terminology bailout. I don't feel bad about it at all. And why it's happening, and why is it that people like Elizabeth Warren are promoting the idea of increasing the FDIC, Federal Deposit Insurance Company, threshold. And most importantly, if we're now going to, as I've been discussing, as has been said, privatize the gains but socialize the losses, where this can can really spread out and do a lot of damage, should we feel safe regarding banking in America? Are our banks safe? So I had this conversation with Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis, and brought it back in this way. I want to continue the conversation, though, and I want to start digging into a part two, which is about how Americans are affected by this. When I get asked, Dr. Will, on the radio shows uh, about what do I think uh, about the banking sector, first, I I don't claim an expertise. Uh, I'm a radio host. My job is to know things about things that you're not going to have an expertise in all things, and the people screaming they have an expertise I think are kind of laughable. But there's nothing that I've read and nothing I've had in my conversations with you or anybody else that says to me, hey, everything's about to go belly up and sideways. Now, that was true last week. 
Then I watched this UBS Credit Swiss deal. And when you talk about uh, the Swiss government breaking all the rules, well, it doesn't seem like the U.S. government is far behind. We have to do something. We have to be a backstop. We have to put an end to this. We have to be keep the people safe by any means necessary is what it seems uh, to look like there. So the question before us is the safety and the security of the U.S. banking sector. $30 billion went into a bank called First Republic from 11 different banks. When I see other banks putting into banks and investing into them, as opposed to the federal government, let's start here. Shouldn't I look at that as a good sign, as a sign of these people trying to take care of their own world, as opposed to relying on the government, or is this all subterfuge? You know, Tony, you asked two questions. One is, is this going to get big and out of hand? And the second is, what's happening with First Republic? Um, l- let me answer the First Republic issue first. And that is, it is pure window dressing and PR. The $30 billion, first of all, it's not going to be enough to bail out First really? Republic. Really? No, not even close. First Republic is the uh, Silicon Valley of uh, New York. It's this. It's the same situation. Um, they're in the same boat, and we're going to have the same problem, and that's not going to do it. But the reason Jamie Dimon is doing this, because Jamie Dimon wants to buy First Republic Bank, and it's no risk to him because, Tony, the money moved out of First Republic and into J.P. Morgan. So they've got this cash sitting there, and they say, well, what do we do with it? The economy's slowing down. They can't make loans. So they got this cash sitting there. So what's Jamie Dimon going to do with it? He's going to deposit it right back into First Republic Bank. That's what he's going to do with it, Tony. That's exactly what he's doing. So, you know, this, this, think of it as the New York, San Francisco cabal here. He's simply trying to put the money into a bank so that he has leverage to buy it later. And he will buy it, Tony. And I, I bet money on it that he's going to end up getting First Republic. And why does he want it? Because their San Francisco operations have a tremendous number of wealthy, high-tech money depositors. He wants access to those people, Tony. He's just buying a customer base with billions of dollars in their pockets. That's what he's doing here, Tony. That's exactly what's happening here. There's no benevolence about it. It's pure, unadulterated greed on the part of uh, J.P. Morgan to get money out of the uh, debacle with First Republic. So I bring that up as a way of getting to that first part of the question. You're right. I did indeed ask two questions. Is the U.S. banking sector in trouble is, well, for many people, the only question. And my answer was... No, it's not based on everything that I'm seeing, based on every level uh, of reporting that's out there. Well, I don't know if I feel the same way now as I did a week ago. I haven't gone to my bank. I have not run to the bank and said, make it rain on me, right? I haven't done any of that. But it is very obvious that what we're seeing from the federal government, from the U.S. government, seems to be played in a bit of panic. What I cannot answer, and I'm hoping you can, is that panic also window dressing, also a play that's being put on to be able to pass these new regulations to protect friends and others and donors, etc.? Or is there real fear that the interest rates from Jerome Powell because of the inflation caused by Biden spending was too much, too quick, And there's a series of banks, possibly up to 200 of them, as reported by the Wall Street Journal, I believe it was, or or The Economist, that cannot keep up. And they really are fearful of having a serious banking issue. Pause it, Tony. 
It didn't cause it, but it was a factor in the in the fall of the bank. Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis, D-R-M-A-T-T-W-I-L-L on the Twitter box. Dr. Matt Will, I appreciate you taking uh, the, the time. I, I sometimes get accused of bringing too much wonk to radio. Uh, I, don't, I don't think there's any such thing. If, if we don't have uh, the underpinnings, the understanding of what's happening, how in the world are we supposed to understand what's happening to us? It's not for people to dumb things down. It is for us to up our game. Anybody who dumbs it down to you, that's hate. That is hate. That is bigotry. That is them saying you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, I have to spoon feed it to you, and then they decide what to spoon feed. Not here, man. No, 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 no. I'm learning like you are. And what we're learning is that Once again, government interference is what's going to lead us down a dark, dark path. He's right. That's the thing that we have to fight. Let the market clean itself up. We'll talk more about it for sure. Find everything, TonyCats.Locals.com. This is Tony Katz Today. People are acting like this poll matters. It doesn't. Let me say it again. It doesn't matter. It's like Bill Murray in Meatballs, or perhaps Meatballs 2. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. I tell you, it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. By the way, was Bill Murray in Meatballs 2? I don't think he was in Meatballs 2. I think it was just in the original Meatballs. And it still just doesn't matter. Tony Katz, good to be with you. It is a Fox News poll that shows that Trump is well ahead of Ron DeSantis. His lead has doubled since February. Doubled, I tell you. And uh, it's 54-24 Trump-DeSantis. And last month it was 43-28. Okay. I don't, it just doesn't matter. We are in March. The election is two years away. DeSantis is not a declared candidate. You got a host of other people who are going to get into the race. You haven't even heard what the attacks are going to be. You haven't heard people make their case. Although there clearly are enough people making the case that Ron DeSantis is just an odd dude. He's an odd duck. And we act like that matters. I can't tell you how little I care. Now, maybe you care and maybe I'm not giving it enough credence. Right? That being an odd duck is something that people don't necessarily want. But do you think it matters that Trump is ahead by 30 over DeSantis, an undeclared candidate? who hasn't run a single ad, who hasn't reminded you that Trump uh, allowed Fauci to stay in power, that Trump created uh, the, the the debt? No? You, you think this matter? Well, okay, well, look, I guess we disagree. I guess we disagree. But we can't disagree on the fact that it's very obvious that the left wants Trump to run desperately and you know uh, there's this whole idea of you saying the quiet part out loud 
so that's where people took this from Joy Behar over at The View. And it starts with Alyssa uh, Farah Griffin. The um, she, she Remember, she used to work for Trump. She used to work for Mike Pence. That's where I met her. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the hell she's doing on The View, except saying, I'm getting paid, daddy. I, I don't know if she was referring to me as daddy in this conversation, uh, but neither here nor there. Maybe she's saying I'm getting paid kitten. Maybe daddy's not part of her lexicon. I don't know. We met a couple of times. She was lovely. I never got this vibe off the woman once. Once. I never got this vibe off her. And she starts with, this idea that DeSantis is overhyped. But Whoopi alluded to something I think is interesting, which is um, I have been saying at this table for months, I think Ron DeSantis is the most overhyped politician in America. I think this notion that he is who's going to save the GOP from Trump and he's going to soar the nomination, it's overhyped. He had a good midterm election being reelected in Florida. You, what else would they go elect? A good election is an awful lot of spin from Alyssa Farah. Like, too much spin. A good election. He had a good election. That's it. Okay. All right. In a country where nobody was pushing, nobody was fighting, nobody was being proactive, he was. And he was getting cheered from coast to coast. We were told that Andrew Cuomo was the most important person who ever lived, that his COVID briefings were the briefings that got us through as a nation. He lied about numbers. He lied about data. He didn't give a damn about dead anyone. Well, your grandma died in a hospital in a nursing home. Who cares? She's dead, right? That was my my Andrew Cuomo impression. Honestly, honestly, I think I'm going to take that on the road. I'm the rich little of my generation. That's what, that's what, Mel Blank who? That's what I say. Mel Blank who? I almost, I almost dropped into a norm right there. Ah, gone too soon. Gone too soon. Gone because, uh, because he's dead. I think Norm would appreciate that. I only hope, I only wish. Would have been nice to have met the man. Anyway, this is a lot of, like, talk about a guy who's down 30 points in the poll. And now you want to tell me how overhyped he is. He's already down 30 points. That's a guy you would ignore. But it gets more interesting. Well, Listen, they he got reelected. He did a good job. But this is a man. I want to see two things. I want to see him sit down with a neutral interviewer like a George Stephanopoulos and actually answer tough questions. Neutral interviewer George Stephanopoulos. If you wanted to ask yourself what happened to Alyssa Farrah Griffin, that's what happened to Alyssa Farrah Griffin. Neutral interviewer. No, no, no. I'm a neutral interviewer. George Stephanopoulos is a bought and paid for progressive acolyte who was donating to the Clinton Global Initiative while he was reporting on the Clinton Global Initiative. This is nonsense. That's an embarrassing, embarrassing moment for Alyssa Farah uh, Griffin, and uh, but a, a nice little elevation of her own uh, ABC guy.
do a major, you know, national sit-down interview. And then secondly, you don't beat Trump by not going after Trump. I want to see him take a punch at Trump and how physically. He's not going to he's going to miss because because he's a dweeb. (laughs) Well, that's the thing is I just is what they call a dweeb. (laughs) And and Trump is the one who needs to get the nomination because then the Democrats will win. He's a he's a two-time loser already. Hello. But he also lacks loser. Now. Uh, that came from uh, the people at Newsbusters, that clip. That's the quiet part out loud. We need Trump to get the nomination because we can beat Trump. There have been lots of Republicans who have been saying this is exactly right. Trump cannot win a general. Stop telling me about primary anything. Trump can't win a general. But how interesting that she actually said it. Because a lot of people have long thought this to be true. But the other part is, what do you mean a two-time loser? Is that Joy Behar playing in to election denialism and saying he didn't win against Hillary because of the Russians? Is that Joy Behar claiming he wasn't elected and that an election was possibly stolen? Trump is the one who needs to get the nomination because then the Democrats will win. He's a, he's a two-time loser already. Hello? But he also lacks... <laughs> loser! My gosh. She's now inciting riots and insurrections. She shouldn't be allowed on TV. No, I was serious about that last part. She shouldn't be allowed on TV. She's a very, very special kind of someone, ain't she? It's worth noting that she she and so many others on the progressive left really believe this. They will tell you that Trump is an election denier from now until the end of time. They will tell you that if you have questions about the 2020 election, you're an election denier. You go against American values. You don't believe in democracy. You are actively trying to destroy democracy. You're the problem. You're the enemy. She just said it, though, right there. She said it right there as clear as day. She's saying that Trump didn't win 2020 because the left believes that Trump didn't win 2020. And people challenge the election results. That Congressman Jamie Raskin of Maryland is a guy who was out there as an impeachment manager while he was somebody who was trying to overturn the 2020 election results. I'm sorry, the 2016 I'm sorry, I said 2020, I meant 2016. They don't believe Trump won in 2016. They were active in trying to overturn this. Jamie Raskin, Congressman Raskin was one of these people. Did they not know that they were utilizing the same formula, same philosophy, same legal theories that Republicans were using in 2020? And it's very fine to say that there were issues with the election. Now, if you ask me if Joe Biden won the election, I say yes. If you ask me, and I've discussed this before, but clarity always matters. If you ask me if I would have thrown out, for example, the state of Pennsylvania, I never would have certified the Pennsylvania election results. The answer is absolutely. I never would have certified the Pennsylvania election results. I've said it and I meant it. The legislature sets the election. In Pennsylvania, the judiciary usurped the legislative branch. That's disqualifying. It is what it is. 
when you saw these people, these judges saying, well, look, if you didn't have the right signature, eh, it's okay. It's not okay. You either have a standard or you don't. The only thing I'm asking for is that the standard be applied all the way around. I can handle losing. I reject the idea that I have to accept when they say I lost and when they say they won. That's madness. That's not the way uh, a, a, a civil society works. That's the way a banana republic works. And I'm not interested in the banana republic. I'm not. And I don't think you are either. So why in the world is Joy Behar okay with this? And she's okay with this because you're not talking about a mind here. And, you're, and when you take a look at the millions of people they reach every day, and uh, it, it is still amazing to everyone that the view still is able to connect, the view still is able to move conversations in America. And the argument is, and, and I've discussed this as well, that we're giving them too much credit, too much credence, we're listening too much, and we're responding too much. I hear you. But if I'm and, and, and for a while there's like I'm not I'm not talking about the view. I, I, I'm not. I find myself in this in this just absolutely horrible place where I know in my soul I'm supposed to ignore these people. I'm supposed to ignore the the radical bigotry of people like uh, Sonny Houston. I'm supposed to ignore the the unbelievable uh Ignorance of, of Whoopi Goldberg, who and, and, and that kills me. Whoopi Goldberg's a great American story. Whoopi Goldberg is an incredible success story. You go back to when she was doing one woman shows in, in uh, on Broadway or off Broadway. Do you know how difficult a one a one person show is? Do you know how difficult it must have been for her? And we can engage racial a black woman reaching that height when that never happened before was inspirational to a lot of people, and she was funny as hell. She was funny as hell. You know, we've watched a fair amount of comics go from funny to not funny. I used to love Janine Garofalo. Oh, my gosh, did I used to love Janine Garofalo. Uh, I used to – I have very few celebrity crushes. Back in the day, I know – back in the day, I didn't say today. Show some respect for me already. Back in the day. I don't know why. I don't know why. Janine Garofalo was just like cute and funny. I was like, all right. I, I could hang out with Janine Garofalo. And now I would cross the street not to have to interact with Janine Garofalo. I thought that Kathy Griffin was outrageously funny. The whole thing about the D-list and, and everything else. Like A-list, A-list stars. She was on the D-list, right? She, she was. She, that, that's how she viewed herself. And funny very, very funny and the telling of the celebrity stories and everything else. And then she decided to lose her mind. Chelsea Handler, Chelsea Handler was never funny. She might be able to tell a joke every now and again. I never got it. I never understood it. It never made any sense to me. Why in the world was anybody a Chelsea Handler fan? The whole thing, totally ridiculous. Did not get it. Whoopi Goldberg was funny. And Whoopi Goldberg could hold her own, her own anywhere, and it was Whoopi Goldberg and Robin Williams and Billy Crystal with comic relief. One of the few things I can remember that my family actually sat down and watched together, that my father was excited about watching TV, the man, 
The man doesn't watch TV. The man has TV on and he changes channels, like 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 many a father. And it's it's just it's crazy. Oh, and and for years, I mean, I tried to watch football with that man growing up. There was always a comment about everything. And it was never the just the enjoyment of the game. And then after about 10 minutes, we're like, okay, what else was on? It was just, it was so, I tried so, so hard. Whoopi was great. And then Whoopi gave it all up. They, they give it up for this, this radicalness that makes no sense. And, and that's, you know, the bigotry of Sonny Hostin, the ignorance of, of Whoopi uh, Goldberg, uh, Alyssa uh, Farrah Griffin just, Flat out, I, I don't know what she is, and I don't even know who the other person is there. I think they just needed somebody to fill a seat. I really, I don't know her name. I, I don't know her name at all. And then and then Joy Behar. Joy Behar has no intellectual prowess. Joy Behar has no history. She was a comic back in the day, but she wasn't a, she wasn't a successful comic in, in being a name. She was a name because she got the spot on The View, maybe because she knew a couple people and she could throw in a good one-liner here and there. But she said it very clearly. In, if, if you're asking me, she said it very clearly. 2016 stolen election. So what's the difference? What's the difference between what Joy Behar said and what anybody else has said? What's the difference? And the answer is, the difference is the progressives will accept one and not the other. And the ABC overlords will accept one and not the other. She's talking about election denial, and Gina Carano loses her job on Star Wars because she doesn't think the world should fall into a trap of just following to follow and end up like Nazi Germany. Now, I'll agree, I didn't like uh, Gina Carano's, you know, the, 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 the use of the Holocaust as a prop always bothers me. I, I, find it, I find it wrong as wrong can be. But Gina Carano gets fired and Joy Behar still has a job? One's okay, one's not, all depending on whether or not the overlords like you. The lack of standard, the lack of a baseline, that's part of our major problem in America. I can accept losing. I can't accept two sets of rules, not only on elections, but when it comes to how you speak about them. I'm Tony Katz. How nice it was to see on NBC News, NBC News, the headline top Democrat gives failing grade, quote unquote, to Biden administration on classified documents. This was Senator Mark Warner saying that the administration is not sharing information about the classified documents found at Mar-a-Lago, President Trump, and found at the Biden residences and at the Biden offices and of course offices in Boston, and Lord only knows the amount of stuff they found at the University of Delaware from the documents that were donated when Joe Biden was a senator. I'm happy to see this. I'm happy to see Warner say it. I'm happy to see people haven't forgotten about it. What's in the documents? How much danger did they put us in and what's gonna happen from it? Find everything, TonyCats.locals.com. This is Tony Katz today.